Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the college football podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. I'm a Georgia Tech grad and a Louisville fan. He is Mike McDaniel, a Virginia Tech grad and a Notre Dame fan. Mike, first question, have you ever seen a better national championship game than that one? My gosh. What in the hell did I just watch? Unbelievable. Um, Yeah. Uh, that was an absolutely unreal football game. Um, you knew that when Georgia was sitting up at halftime, you knew that this game was far from over because that was like one throw from being 13 7. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts had that overthrow in the first quarter um, on one of the, you know, one of the very first drives of the football game. He overthrows Calvin Ridley, and then they, they had a field goal that they made, but it was called back for a false start. And then Ended up being Papanossus's first shank of the evening, um, wide left, which was a theme, as we saw later on. But, man, that game, you knew it was far from over at halftime. Even though Georgia was up 13-0, it felt like they had to play perfect football to get it to 13-0 and be in the position they were in at halftime. And it felt like they had to play a perfect game, and Alabama really just needed a spark. Um, Everything that went wrong for Alabama, everything that could possibly go wrong, I think went wrong in the first half. Um, they did a pretty good job taking care of the ball, but it was just stupid penalties, uncharacteristic penalties for a Nick Saban coach team, Joey. Yeah, th- this game really has to be characterized as like a tale of two halves here. So, and, and by the way, let's take a s- step back here. Uh, for those who aren't aware, Mike and I host a podcast called the Basketball Conference Podcast. Typically, we stick to the ACC. Uh, we have been contracted by Mark Rogers in this case to hold down the fort on Mark Rogers TV coming back from the national title game. We did this last year after Clemson won the game this year, no ACC team involved, but still, I mean, Mike and I kind of know stuff about college football outside of the, uh, the tobacco road. We try region. Uh, well, any of us try, but sure. Um, in any case, we're here to recap the national title game. Full disclosure before we go any deeper, I'm a Georgia tech grad. Like I said, in the intro, I am very clearly not a Georgia fan. I'm wearing my Georgia Tech polo right now. Uh, I wore that to work today. I'm going to wear another one to work tomorrow just to prove a point. But we're going to try to be objective here. Um, Okay, so, Mike, we were talking about – and the point that I was going to make, this was very much a game that was defined as like a tale of two halves. Um, It's very clear that Georgia dominated the first half for the most part. Um. Alabama's offense could not get anything going. They were just very out of sorts, couldn't decide what they wanted to be, what they wanted to do. They were pretty limited in the pass game. And as a result, Georgia just totally gobbled them up in the run game. Jalen Hurts had one really good run on the first drive of the game. And other than that, was held in check, as was the rest of the Alabama offense before halftime. Alabama had a chance at one field goal on their first drive 
Uh, as you mentioned, Andy Papanasis shanks it. Uh, meanwhile, Georgia kicks a couple of field goals, uh, one of which came after a really key play that I thought uh, was maybe, you know, late in the first quarter. Georgia has third and 20, kind of uh, maybe around midfield, a little before midfield, and Sony Michelle on a draw play goes 26 yards, gets a first down, sets him up for a field goal. Third and Sonny Michelle, Joey. Yeah, no kidding. And, and I'm going to get to that here in a minute. Um, Georgia, so Georgia's at six nothing, uh, gets the ball back about three and a half minutes to go and drives the ball the length of the field and scores a touchdown before halftime. That was a huge play in the game. I thought, first of all, I thought it was a great play call, um, especially in the first half. Jim, Jim Chaney's play calling. I'm not the biggest Jim Chaney guy out there, and you and I as ACC guys, I mean, we saw him at Pittsburgh a couple of years ago and all this. Not that impressive. Tonight, fantastic. Spot on. I thought his play calling, especially in the first half, was really outstanding for Georgia. And they go into halftime with a 13-0 lead, and, and you really thought that Alabama might be dead. Like, you don't know where anything's going to come from because, Mike, they hadn't shown us anything until then. Yeah, um, I, I was actually – I was critical of Jim Chaney, like, first couple drives because I was like, wow, you've had, like, 11 offensive plays. You have two all-SEC running backs, and you haven't run the football yet. And then for basically there on out, I thought overall his play calling was outstanding. I completely agree with you. Um, I thought Georgia did a great job. They got um, Jake Fromm some excellent play-action passing opportunities uh, in the first half. Obviously, he connected on that 80-yard pass in the second half which was one of the bigger plays of the game for Georgia, um, you know, giving them, you know, putting them up. What was it? I think it was 20 to 10 at that point or 20 to seven. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, that was a huge throw by Fromm. It felt like Alabama was starting to see some of the momentum and Georgia took it right back. And uh, Jake Fromm, I thought was fantastic in this game. Um, he had, you know, a couple interceptions. One was a tip ball at the line of scrimmage and the other was in the first half. It was a jump ball situation he underthrew it a little bit but that was a it was a 50 50 ball um i thought other than that his decision making was really really good uh you know georgia was able to run the ball pretty well i thought that you know they might have relied a little bit too much on nick chubb at times i thought this was more of a sunny michelle type game at running back just because i think his speed uh played a little bit more into the hands of georgia and what they wanted to do i thought when you put nick chubb out there it really just played into the hands of the alabama defense um, as good of a runner as Nick Chubb is, I mean, he's a bruiser. Um, and, you know, I think Alabama wants to get into that physical type game. They don't want to face the type of speed that Sonny Michelle presents on the outside when he gets loose laterally. Um, so, you know, I think if anything, Georgia could have given him the ball a little bit more and maybe not have relied as much on Nick Chubb. Um, but, you know, overall, I mean, it's tough to nitpick. I mean, Georgia put themselves in an excellent position to win the football game. Alabama just went out and stole it. Uh, and that's that's really it. I wouldn't classify this as a choke by Georgia. Um, Jake Fromm, I thought was really good. You know, I mentioned for all the good that he did, he took that horrible sack there in overtime uh, that really, you know, nearly put them out of field goal range. But, uh, you know, Blankenship is an unbelievable kicker. Uh, Captain Rex Specs from 51 yards nails the field goal. And, you uh, you know, put them in a good position. You know, I thought that, you know, when Fromm took that sack, I was really questioning whether or not Georgia was going to be in a position to even score. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship has an excellent field goal. And then obviously, you know, we saw what happened with Alabama 
in overtime, something similar with Tua taking Tua Tagalova, whatever his last name is, taking a horrible sack and then coming back and making a huge play. Um, unbelievable looking off the safety. I mean, he's going to be just an unbelievable player, Joey. I can't believe, I mean, the balls of Nick Saban to put him in the game there. National championship, hasn't played meaningful snaps all year, but he had the confidence in him, saw enough in him in practice saying, hey, this is this is my guy who can really stretch the field throwing the football, knew it was going to be that type of game. And in the second half, you know, you take the good with the bad. He had a couple bad turnovers, took a couple bad sacks, but you knew that he was going to be able to stretch the field vertically, and I think that's really what made the difference in the ball game. So hats off to Alabama and their coaching staff, Nick Saban especially, for pulling the trigger and putting him in the game. I, I got to tell you, Mike, like they came out of halftime and uh, the, the the announce crew was talking about, well, well, maybe they go to Tua. You know, he's a bit of a better passer than Jalen Hurts is would give him that kind of threat. And I was watching it like, yeah, like Saban's going to change quarterbacks at halftime of the national title game. Sure. Well, Bama gets the ball to start the half. And sure enough, Tua Tagovailoa is the new uh, starting quarterback for the Crimson Tide. And uh, the first drive didn't go well. But after that, man. I want to I want to talk a little bit through kind of the the difference that you saw in Alabama in the second half versus the first half. Alabama in the first half had five drives, combined twenty four plays for ninety yards and no points. Uh, most of that was an eleven play forty two yard drive that opened the game for them, where they missed the field goal with Papanasis. Second half, eight drives, forty eight plays, two hundred eighty seven yards and twenty points. So if there wasn't a very clear uh, change there at halftime, I I don't know what you saw because you weren't watching the game. Like that's it was a totally different situation in the second half. And you're right that Tagovailoa was a little bit rough around the edges. I mean, he had a bad pick. He took a couple bad sacks. You know, where you're saying get rid of the ball. I think there were a couple times where I was screaming at my TV, "Hang on to the ball," because it felt like he was just carrying it around yep. in one hand like it's nothing. And and dude, you. <laughs> that's an aggressive defense. You can't get away with that forever. Um, but man, what an impressive performance by him. He, I mean, it, and I thought that Alabama played it right with him just starting out all that they, they showed that they wanted to do was throw the ball down the field. And what that created was some space underneath the Georgia defense that enabled them to get some, some stuff going in the run game. Not to mention that they hit on a couple of those long passes um, and, and that was what got Alabama back into the game. I would tell you that probably the key play in the game, and I'd have to find it on the play-by-play, I think it was the second drive of the second half uh, for Alabama. They had like third and eight or third and 12 or something like that, maybe behind midfield. And Tagovailoa gets surrounded by about three Georgia defenders. I think two of them get a hand on him. Somehow he slips out of all of it, follows a couple of his offensive linemen, scrambles and picks up a first down. Ran all the way across the field. Yeah. Like, I'm watching I mean, it on SportsCenter right now, actually. <laughs> it was unbelievable play by him. That changed the game entirely because that's, right. the, that's the drive that they scored their first touchdown on, and that's where the whole thing turned. Excellent block by Bo Scarborough on that play, too, because Tiger Vailoa mm-hmm. would have been a couple yards short of a first down, and Bo Scarborough threw an excellent block there to spring him for a couple of those extra yards. And he had a whole convoy in front of him once he got back across the middle of the field. And, um, yeah, that was a huge play in the game. It really did swing the momentum because, you know, you're, you're sitting there facing whatever it was, third and I think third and seven, and 
to convert on that play was huge. And what was even bigger was Jake Fromm coming back right after that, throwing the 80-yard touchdown pass to make it 20-7. to um, Gosh, I, I saw I, that, Mike, and I'll tell you, that that was the point where I was like, oh, that's – as a Georgia Tech fan, you know, and somebody that, that is going to uh, bathe in the misery of Georgia fans at this point, to see Fromm come out right after, you know, Alabama's got some momentum, third and long, and he throws an 80-yard bomb to Mecole Hardman, who just slips a tackle and runs the, you know, the rest of the field. Like, that took all the wind out of my sails, and I thought that was about it. Um, but it wasn't. It kind of no. went from there. No, I mean, and you had Jerome Payne interception. I mean, it was just a number of things that went right for Alabama in the second half. I mean, after that play that Fromm made, you're sitting there saying, man, this might just be Georgia's night. But then Alabama made all sorts of huge plays. I mean, how about the fourth quarter too, Joey? Um, You know, Alabama's driving down to score, and it looks like Georgia might have intercepted that pass in the back of the end zone. And, you know, it was ended up being reviewed. They, They ruled that. Uh, the safety didn't have possession of the ball, and Alabama ends up kicking a field goal there to make it 20 to 13 instead of having it be a touchback going back the other way, sitting at 20 to 10 still. I mean, that was a pivotal point in the ball game, too, because, you know, if that is ruled an interception and, you know, the Georgia safety, I forget who it was at this point, was able to, um, you know, maintain possession inbounds, we're sitting here saying, man, it's 20 to 10. Georgia has the ball back. There's nine minutes to play. It's still a two score game. Uh, that that could have been a huge momentum momentum shift in the ball game. Ends up going Alabama's way. They kick the field goal to make it a one score game, and then um, from there on, we saw what happened. Obviously, the touchdown pass with you know four minutes left, the tag of Iloa through um, to Ridley, and then you know it all just kind of went back and forth. Alabama gets the stop that they need. Um, I, I was questioning Georgia's play calling there. They ran the wild dog formation or whatever the hell they call it with you know, Chubb in the backfield and they're running a lot of interesting plays there. And Alabama just got the stop they needed and then got themselves into field goal range. And that's when all hell broke loose. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you miss the field goal, you go to overtime and and from there on in, we see what happens. But it really felt like after that pass that Tagovailoa threw that didn't end up being intercepted by Georgia in the end zone, you settle for a field goal there it really felt like Alabama got their feet back under them at that point. Um, and that could have been a real turning point in the ball game where, you know, after that from touchdown pass, you're saying, okay, like this is it 20 to seven. And even when Alabama got to 20 to 10, that would have killed all momentum. So that was a huge play in the ball game. I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sitting here looking back. I wanted to point out George's second half drive chart here. Um, and we talk a little bit on the podcast about, you know, drive charts and watch how this game goes. Georgia in the second half, three and out, four plays touchdown, long one to Michael Hardman, one play interception, six plays punt, seven plays punt, three and out, three and out. And that set the game to overtime, which is a total change from what it was in the first half where Georgia on about every drive felt like they were getting a couple first downs, getting the ball moving. They were winning the field goal or the, uh, the field position battle all of that. And uh, they just, they couldn't do it in the second half. Alabama started playing with momentum. I think Georgia's defense started to tire out a little bit. And um, I, I got to tell you, Mike, the other thing that, first of all, as an Atlanta sports fan in general, I understand. Um, and second of all, as a Georgia tech fan, I kind of, again, bathe in what Georgia fans are experiencing right now is this, um, 
I don't know that this could be more of a soul-crushing loss for Georgia. And I'm going to tell you, it, it makes sense to some degree that um, it's soul-crushing in that they – uh, the first time that Georgia trailed in this game was as they were walking off and Alabama was bathing in the confetti that was flying down from the, the ceiling, right? Like Georgia led the entire way. They, they never trailed until that last play of the game. Um, I want to bring up, though, that they were they were up 13-0 at halftime. Alabama finally gets something going, and then Georgia fires right back. It's another touchdown. They're up 13, you know, in the second half. Alabama claws their way back in, ties the game. And, and to me, almost maybe the most important part of what's creating this misery for Georgia fans right now is Georgia needs a first down, you know, needs to get something going, maybe kick a field goal to win the game at the end of the fourth quarter. They go like three and out. Great stop by Alabama. They punt. Alabama works the ball down into very reasonable field goal range. And what do you know? Andy Papanostas shanks another one. He was one for three on field goals in this game not getting it done for Alabama. Really or, good with the shank. Or was he two for four maybe? I don't know. In any case, he, he missed two relatively easy field goals in this game. Alabama's had weird kicker problems in recent years that I don't know how it is they get everything right, but they can't get the kicker right. But um, Couldn't really they, get the quarterback right either, to be honest. Like, you always had a game manager until now. This is like the first time. This Honestly, this might be the best quarterback Nick Saban's ever had. I mean, we've only seen – uh, I've seen enough already. I mean, he just mm-hmm. won him a national championship, so what more do you need? The Tagovailoa might be the best quarterback Nick Saban's ever had. Um, he was a number one dual-threat quarterback last year. Um, you know, Nick Saban's had a number of quarterbacks there at Alabama. You know, go back Blake Sims, McCarron. McCarron was pretty good. But you go Blake Sims, you got McCarron. Um, obviously, what you've dealt with the last couple of years with Jalen Hurts. Um, at the very go- least, I would say he's more complete than anybody he's ever had. Oh, for sure. I mean, he can get it done in the running game and the passing game. Um, and the quarterbacks he's had before, it's really only been a singular threat guy. It's been Jalen Hurts in the running game. Um, Blake Sims had a little bit of both going on, but he didn't blow you away with his arm or with his legs. Um, McCarron was obviously more of a pocket passer. But, yeah, you know, I think this is the most complete quarterback he's had in Tagovailoa. It's going to be in- going to be interesting to see what happens from here. Obviously, I expect him to be a starting quarterback next season. Um, Jalen Hurts, I'd be surprised if he stuck around. Maybe he does, and you know we'll see what happens. And maybe it's more of a competition than I'm making it out to be. But listen, I think all signs point to Tagovailoa being the starter sooner rather than later. I think that's pretty clear after the performance tonight. I I, I totally agree. Um, I, I want to get back to this this misery thing that I was kind of getting at. So so Papanasis misses this field goal to end regulation. And, Mike, this is where I go to, as an Atlanta sports fan, I think the most applicable movie quote that I have ever heard as it relates to Atlanta sports and, and the kind of the misery that relates to him. Uh, it comes from The Dark Knight Rises, uh, and the character Bane says something to the effect of, uh, true despair cannot exist without hope. And that is absolutely the most true thing I've ever experienced in terms of sports. Um what you saw was Papanostas shank a field goal and inevitably Georgia fans perking up. Oh my God, like we could win this game. Uh, Georgia goes three and out in overtime, including a, a deep sack on uh, Jake Fromm that forces a 51 yard field goal. Hot Rod, Rodrigo Blankenship hits the field goal from 51 yards in Hot overtime. Rod. 
sets a national title game record for longest field goal, and Georgia fans are, we have a chance. First play of overtime, Tua has a whole bunch of time in the pocket, doesn't make a decision, gets sacked for, you know, it's second and 26. Georgia fans, we have a chance here. Second and 26. Next play, phenomenal throw. I think Georgia got caught in cover two and a receiver got between the, the underneath and the over the top. And Look off the safety. Like a bet. What a like throw. A what, what a, a throw. throw. And, that, and whoever that safety was had like 37 or 38 starts, Fowler said. Yeah. And he just let a true freshman making his, I, I don't know, this is like his second true quarter of football. And he looks off the safety like a pro and then throws a dart like 45 yards in the air right on the money. Yep. Um, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I, I, I watched the replay of that play about six times online and the camera angle doesn't totally show, but I, I am pretty sure that Georgia just got caught in a cover two and the receiver just slipped between, you know, the underneath coverage and the, the over the top coverage. And that's all she wrote. I mean, what a, again, just an amazing throw by Tagovailoa to come back from the previous play where he gets sacked after a poor decision to throw a strike like that. I, I thought it was noteworthy too, Mike, that the the guy that caught the pass was Devonte Smith. That was his first catch of the game. It was a forty-one yard he touchdown pass, and that that made him the leading receiver. <laughs> he was Alabama's leading receiver with the only catch of the game at the end of the game. Like, you know, decent timing. Timing was right. Not bad. Uh, that was a fantastic national title game. I thought. Um, Congratulations. We've had some good ones last few years. I mean, we've been very lucky, and that's that's right up there. I mean, uh, you know, as as rewarding as it was to watch Clemson beat Alabama as a resident, you know, Alabama hater that I am, um, for no good reason other than they're like just amazing. It's the same reason, you know, I'm a Patriots fan. It's the same reason why everybody hates the Patriots. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. I got it for um for the college game. It's the same sort of thing for me. And I watch Alabama play, and I'm just it, – it's its less, like, hatred now that I've gotten older and have kind of enjoyed, like, college football and what it is a little bit more, like, on a broader scale. It, it's more of an appreciation for Nick Saban and what he's been able to accomplish. It's really hard to win in college football with the way things are today. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're recruiting, and, and, you know, all these coaches from the Saban tree are going out there and playing against them. We saw tonight with Kirby Smart taking him to the wire and Saban is still undefeated against his assistants. He moves to 12 and 0 now, Joey. Uh, we said that in our preview of this game. Um, you know, we recapped the bowl season on our podcast and we had the preview of this game and Saban remains undefeated against his assistants. Um, unbelievable what he's done. Fifth national title in nine seasons at Alabama, his sixth national title overall. Saban is a wizard, Joey. Like he's a mm-hmm. wizard. They had two two freshman offensive linemen, two freshman receivers, and a freshman quarterback on the field at one point in the fourth quarter tonight. That's five five freshmen on the field in the national championship game, and they had those athletes beating seasoned vets on the Georgia defense like it was nothing. And the entire time they were tied or at a deficit. Unbelievable. Like they were playing from behind. It's not. It's not even. It's not even fair. I mean, you get you get all these guys, and you know they're they're five star athletes, right? I mean, they're five star players at Saban recruits, and he's done a great job getting the talent there, and the success speaks for itself. But 
when you can boast five true freshmen on the field at the same time, the fourth quarter of the national championship game, when you're losing and you're confident enough that five true freshmen are going to bring you back, you're playing the game of, Hey, I think my athletes are better than yours. Let's see where it all shakes out. And, you know, that was the case with Tagovailoa. Like I mentioned, number one dual threat quarterback last year in the country. He comes in the game, really didn't play much at all this year. It was low leverage situations up until this point. Makes one of the biggest throws I've ever seen. Uh, clutch time throws, looking off the safety and cover two. Un- just unbelievable. I'm blown away by the talent Alabama has, and the, and the success speaks for itself. Fifth title in, in nine years, and it's wild. It's crazy. I don't know. I mean, it was an all-SEC national championship game. A lot of people were – uh, not too thrilled about the prospects of that, but I think it's pretty clear that these were the two best teams in college football, and it went to overtime, and it, you know it topped any of the last two national championship games, which I thought were both pretty good. Uh, this is right up there and might have topped it, so unbelievable performance by Alabama and a great showing by Georgia, too, with their true freshman quarterback, Jake Fromm, who looked like the season bet. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I, I will be the first to tell you that I was not excited to watch this game. Um, I, I, I mean, it was the first quarter and I was slipping over to the coaches, you know, the coaches, whatever that was on ESPN, you know, listening to Kevin Sumlin and David Cutcliffe and Pat Fitzgerald and them kind of talk about the game. Like, I thought that was what it was going to take for me to be interested in this game for a full 60 minutes. And uh, just amazing. Um, I, okay, so... T- Two things to wrap it up, Mike, to, to kind of hit on both of these teams. So we'll, we'll talk first about Georgia. Um, in your opinion, is this, is this a repeatable thing for Georgia? Can they get back to the national title game, you know, in the next year or two? Um, or is this just a one-off kind of flash in the pan? Kirby got lucky in his second year and, and three, four years from now, we'll wonder how this all happened, kind of came together. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, I think they're probably built for sustainability. I mean, I think Jake Fromm is, uh, you know, I thought he took a couple of big leaps forward tonight as a quarterback. Um, I, I was high on Jake Fromm anyway. I know I understand the criticism. It's like, well, he's had two all-conference running backs all year long uh, playing their asses off for him. And I understood that part of it. Uh, but, you know, when Jake Fromm had to make the throws tonight, he made the throws. Uh, and you know, he's got a lot of receivers coming back and returning. Obviously, he's going to lose Chubb and Michelle, which I get. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Georgia replaces that talent. They, they're obviously recruiting well under Kirby Smart, which is why I think they'll have a chance. Um, and, and Fromm, I think, is really, really good, Joey. Um, and as long as that defense is playing up to its capabilities and plays like a Kirby Smart defense, which, you know, it really did for most of the year, that defense was phenomenal. Yeah, I think Georgia can be right back in this – in this. Um, you know, in this spot next year, maybe not in the in championship game, but I think they're going to put themselves in position to get to a playoff and make some noise. Um, I, I think they're definitely the favorite in the SEC East. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people are excited about Dan Mullen in Florida. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that it's Kirby Smart in Georgia and the SEC East, and they're going to be the leaders there in the clubhouse for a while. Um, I'm just really impressed with Jake Fromm. I'm, I think I'm higher on him than most are, and I think that's why I think they're definitely built for sustainable success. Whether or not they get back to a championship, of course, remains to be seen. But I think they'll definitely compete in the SEC. I think they're going to have some trouble next year. They they lose a lot on a lot of talent. Ball. Um, yeah, they lose lose both their star running backs. They lose a ton of star power on that defense. They're, it's going to be a bit of a rebuild next year. 
And Georgia's never want for talent, certainly not after a couple of the last, you know, recruiting classes under Kirby Smart. Those things, you know, they're, they're going to have plenty of talent on the side of the yeah. ball, both sides of the ball. Um, to me, the biggest concern about Georgia's long-term long sustainability is their offense. Their defense is always going to be fine. It's always going to be a top-notch unit, as it always has at Alabama. It will continue to be under Georgia as long as they've got Kirby Smart. My question is, you know, what does Jim Chaney bring to the table long-term offensively? Is he a guy you want to keep around? Is he really that creative? I saw a lot of really good play calling from him tonight. I was really impressed by that. I've not seen a lot of that this season. A lot of it has been run shove to the left, run Michelle to the right, and, you know, next thing you know, you've got 60 yards. And if you don't, you know, you've run the ball 12 times, and when Fromm goes play action, he's now got really easy throws to make because everyone just expects a run. What happens when you don't have personnel that can just run the ball down anybody's throat? Or what happens when the SEC East isn't a total dumpster fire and you might actually be challenged a couple times during your divisional schedule? Yep. We'll see. Um, I'll tell you that I think that the assistant in particular on that staff that is more critical than anybody else is Sam Pittman, the offensive line coach at Georgia. That is so much of where they, they drove success off of this year versus last year and in previous years is that their offensive line took an enormous step from last year to this year. Can they sustain that success? Sam Pittman has had a huge uh, a track record of success as an offensive line coach, you know, at Arkansas in the past, as well as others. If they can keep that offensive line churning, you know, year after year after year, they're going to continue to be dangerous with as, as well as they recruit running backs to that school. But, um, Overall, I'm I'm far more concerned about the offense long term than about the defense. I think Jake Fromm is going to continue to evolve and and um, kind of revolutionize what they can do on offense. It's just a matter of how much they can stay complete versus one dimension or the other long term. So we'll see there, Mike. Other question I had for you related to Alabama. Alabama, you know, say the opener next year, they're going to raise a banner at Brian Denny Stadium that says. Uh, 2018 national champions, you know, whatever. Raise a banner that says 2017 SEC champions. How do you feel about that? Uh, I don't <laughs> care as as much as like I think a lot of people are really hanging their hat on. Oh well, they didn't win their conference. How could they be the national champions? Um, did you guys watch the game? You know what I mean. Um. Yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, you know, those types of things take care of themselves. Um, I think we're heading towards expansion. I don't know for the playoff. I, I don't know when that's going to be, whether it's six teams or eight teams. I think it's coming. Um, I'd be willing to bet within the next five years. Uh, you know, I think that's probably the best move. That way you can kind of say, okay, automatic bids, especially if you go eight teams. Um, you could do it with six as well, but it makes more sense with eight if you got a couple of um, – couple of scenarios where you got maybe two or three good teams from one conference, like say the SEC this year, where you had a really good Auburn team. You had, you know, obviously Alabama and Georgia, and then you can still throw in a, uh, a group of five team along with four conference champions. Um, you can do something like that with eight teams versus six teams, which I'm more of a proponent of six personally, just because I like the idea of it being exclusive where you have, you know, maybe five conference champions and then one at large. And then there's still a question as to who that at large is going to be. Um, and, and I think any given year, you can end up with a group of five team in that sixth spot, or you can end up with a second um, a second SEC team or a second Big Ten team. And I think there'd be a lot of argument over that sixth spot. 
I like the exclusivity of the four-team playoff, but I think it does have its flaws. I think we saw that this year with Alabama not winning their conference, um, but winning the national title game. Um, I think we saw it, you know, last year with the whole Penn State, Ohio State debate. You know, these debates are going to continue as long as it's a four-team playoff. I'm cool with it. I think Alabama was the best team in the country. I, I kind of maintain that uh, once once they got started getting healthy on defense. I thought for much of the season, I personally thought Clemson was the best team in the country. I thought they obviously had some flaws, plus a little bit of ACC bias there, Joey. But I think it was pretty clear when Alabama got healthy, especially defensively, and we saw how they dictated the tempo there in the Sugar Bowl um, and forced Clemson to be one-dimensional. I think it was pretty clear from there that Alabama, if they figured things out on offense, you know, would be in a great position to win a national championship. I think the best team ultimately ended up winning. I think the best two teams ended up playing in the conference champion in the um, national championship game. So even though um, Georgia ends up winning the SEC, Alabama beats them in the national title game. I think it all shakes out in the wash, but I think we're definitely heading towards expansion. Um, if that's what your question was getting at. Uh, a, a little bit. And, and that's kind of my, my take on the whole thing is I, I'm a, I'm an 18 playoff guy myself. Um, I mean, I've heard the arguments of, well, the 14 playoff, it's fine. Like, you know, just because you didn't win your conference, you know, you can still have a chance for the national title. Like look at the NFL. You don't, you can be a wild card team and win the Super Bowl. Yeah. Difference is if you win your division in the NFL, you're in. We've seen seven and nine Seahawks teams, you know, or whatever, get into the playoffs because they won their division. And then you can go add teams after that. That's great. My problem is when, you know, there's there's four slots for five power conferences and, and beyond. Um, you're, you're automatically excluding a conference. And when you start excluding another one with a team that didn't win theirs, like it, it that cognitively, it bothers me that you can be the best team in the country without being the best team in your conference, because that's technically what the conference title game should tell you. Right. Um, but if you, if you play a, a, an 18 playoff, you know, five power conference champions, best group of five champion, and then two wild cards, hell play it out. Whoever wins, I'm good with it. Don't care. Um, if, if a non-division champion wins the national title, great. You played it out and that's, that's who won. So that's, that's kind of where I take that. Um, so I, I, I take an issue with it in the sense of how it relates to the uh, the current format and kind of what it tells me cognitively is that the best team in the country was not the best in their division. Um, but I mean, I, I can deal with that because it, it's pretty clear that Alabama, they were, they were more vulnerable at times this year than they have been in previous years. Um, but, but still, I, I think you're right that it's clear that they were the best team in the country. I take, I take a little bit of issue with the thought that Georgia is one of the two best teams in the country. I think that they were a little bit flawed, maybe more than Alabama was able to expose tonight. Um, I, I was mostly frustrated this year with their one dimensional kind of nature on offense. Um, but again, tonight, I mean, it, it's very clear. They, they damn near beat Alabama. And, and if you win this game and, and I, I can't say anything else. So I, I don't, I don't, it's it's probably inappropriate of me to be sitting here, you know, expressing frustrations with Georgia at this point. You know, they 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 put up a hell of a showing, and they really realistically probably should have won this game tonight. So, um, in any case, Mike, Alabama, your national champions, fifth time in nine years. That's pretty unprecedented. Um, amazing showing, amazing game, uh, amazing second half from Tua Tagovailoa, amazing throw to end the game. Forgettable night for Andy Papanastas. That's fine. Uh, he'll be back. 
national but, champion. Uh, hey, he's got a ring too, so you know that's that's fine. Um, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I I think we just about covered it. Um, yeah, Alabama national champs, Georgia almost national champs. Uh, you're safe for another year, Joey. I uh, couldn't have said it better myself, Mike. Couldn't okay, <laughs> I think we can just leave it at that. Yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it. Uh, for, okay, so to repeat, for those unaware, Mike and I, uh, we normally are on the Basketball Conference podcast. You guys can find us on uh, on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel ACC, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, y'all can send us an email to what we refer to as the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. You nailed it, buddy. Yeah. In sync. We got this down. Uh, you guys can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on the Overcast app, on a lot of these places that find podcasts are sold. They're free. Uh, Mike, where else can they find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference. Check us out there. You can rate and review our podcast. You can obviously listen to our podcast. Joey and I got our ACC moments of the week that we play out on our podcast. We usually send those out there on Facebook. We try to tweet those as well. So, yeah, make sure to check us out on social media. We're a happening group. Yeah, please do. Um, as we said, we usually focus on the ACC, but we're not afraid to talk other topics, football-related and otherwise. So um, if you all need anything, you know, hit us up on the uh, various social media platforms, email, whatever it is. Um, but, Mike, this has been a fun season. Uh, we're going to come back on our actual podcast and uh, kind of recap the ACC team seasons and uh, delve into the offseason, maybe some larger college football-related topics, maybe some totally unrelated topics. You know, Lord knows. We'll, we'll see. Um, but this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for, thanks for joining. Um, you have a good night. We'll talk soon. Yeah, bye. Sounds good. All right. Well, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening and for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Come find us www.facebook.com slash basketball conference. Uh, and until next time, go ACC. Go ACC.